Uh, this is Taylor with the Millennial Mission podcast, which is just the beginning of many things um, with Millennial Mission, which is a nonprofit that's coming. Um, I just want to let you guys know that we've started a website, millennialmission.org, where you can find future podcasts there. You can find us on SoundCloud. Um, we're getting up on Stitcher and some other places. Um, just be wary, it is the first one. So we're still getting better at recording audio, even though the content um, is really good. And we'll have future uh, My Story podcasts and more Millennial podcasts to come. Thanks. I swear. This is so clearly my jam. <laughs> Everyone in, um, so this is Taylor. Um, Millennial Mission Podcast. Remember when I picked this song? It's called Native Sun by Grammatic. I was just like, this is my champion jam. So I want to welcome um, Josh Hamilton, a really good friend of mine. Actually, probably probably my best friend. Um, and we're here today um, to talk about basically what it means to be Catholic um, in the millennial world and just kind of problems, hurdles, other things that we see um, in ways for all of us to grow together. Um, so I want to invite Josh. Josh, if you could introduce yourself. Where, where are you from? What's your life, Josh? <laughs> Lame. Um, I'm from uh, Fowler. Where's that? Where's that? Fowler. Josh? Fowler. Nobody knows where Fowler is. It's not Fowlerville, though. Do you know where Fowler is? Uh, I do know where Fowler is. So, uh, yeah, it's like a little farm town, thousand people. Everybody's the same. Um, it's just the same Catholic, clone person you know, so, yeah. over and over again. Yeah, basically. And I grew up, uh, my dad was a farmer. So, from about the age of nine, I was working and getting paid. So, uh, yeah, it was. I'm glad that I grew up there. Actually, it was. It was important to who I am today. I think is to learn to, for instance, like mornings, which was a rare skill in college. I think. Yeah, I still haven't developed. Oh, that. I yeah, I know adults who still haven't developed that who are like. 40. So you're saying, 25 years old, just turned 25, just a couple of weeks ago. Just apparently, I'm never going to be an adult ever. Yeah. Well. Exactly. Well, the other thing with Josh is so Josh is um, when we met originally, uh, we we both went to Michigan State together. And about, uh, I think it was it was my junior year, right? And here's this guy, Josh. He comes in. He's a freshman. Josh has, I don't think he had a beard at the time, but he's he's been balding. You've been balding since you were like 12. 16, yeah. Okay, pretty much. Probably since I was 12, but visibly yeah. since I was So 16. he looks like an old man, an old man, and we came in. Uh, we met each other, and um, just originally when we met, um, I when I was in college at St. John's, which is the church that we went to, I, I really tried to make a special... Uh, effort to reach out to like just younger guys um and to really kind of like invest in then invest in him and then one time i was i think we went out to eat with a lot of different people at um amazon union which had a cafeteria there that was open till like midnight which was amazing and so i went i sat next to him and i'm like oh i'd met him before a couple times started talking to him and then i like slowly realized that he was like far more <laughs> mature <laughs> and spiritually stronger than like I was and I was like okay and I was the conversation was going on I'm like I was kind of slowly learning that like he had more to offer me than I had to offer him so we've been besties since around that point um actually when we were in college together um we we pretty much it was like being in a long-term relationship we would set we were like girls we would set um time aside um and uh, like twice a week where we would go to each we would like switch off i would go to his he would go and come to my house that i was living in, or i would go into his dorm and we would just sit there and talk about our feelings and what we would talk about how um, 
awesome and crappy we were. And then we would talk about stuff like this, which we're going to be talking about. So, Josh, do you have fond memories of that, those times? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I always like talking about my feelings, talking about myself. So it was a good time, you know, having somebody that will know. No, but in, in all seriousness, I think, yeah, it was like really cool because um, I think so often friendship or what we call friendship is so sterilized in the world. And so like I, I've never been like that. I've always been like, you know, I'm not much for small talk, things like that. Like if I have friends, if I have people that I consider my friends, you know, and, and I, I, I want to go deep. I want to talk about the deep things. I want to talk about what's going on in your life. So that was, I do have very fond memories of, you know, learning to, to challenge somebody, to call somebody out. Uh, it was all skills that I'll use forever and ever. So forever. Cool. forever. Until I die. Yeah. And actually, so when me and Josh, when we would um, sit around and talk, we'd be talking about a lot of things. And I, what I want to talk about today, and we're always going to be talking about this just because it's a, it's, it's just like, there's so much potential. Um, just cause, so the church we went to, you know, good church, um, really, I grew a lot, gained a lot from it. Um, but I just saw, um, from there and what I've seen kind of throughout being like all over America, um, either traveling or just friends of mine, um, which is this big problem within like Catholic millennials, um, where you'll have like, I feel like you have Catholic millennials, you have people who are, you know, they're kind of, they're really searching for faith. They're not really entirely sure uh, when it comes to like teaching of the church. They're just like looking for God. Um, and they've kind of found that within the Catholic church. Either they grew up with that or they've come to it. But they're kind of like, they're kind of on the periphery. And then you have the people that we were a lot of, and I have, I have a lot of friends that are like that. Um, and I had, then we have friends, um, which was kind of a part of, not our friend group, not that they're the only people we hung out with because we weren't Catholic nerds. We hung out with real people. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but there's a lot of, there's just so many people where it's like they have this strong faith um, and they really like, they, they're seeking to love the Lord. They're not perfect. You know, maybe they struggle to pray every day or, you know, but they go to mass like consistently and but they, they kind of have it figured out. They know a lot of faith stuff, but it's really, in a way, it's kind of like, it's almost like an arc. This is when I talk to about it with people. That's how I describe it. It's like, there's this arc where they go on it and they're with their other little Catholic friends that are just in their worldview and they're hoping that no one pulls them off into the world that they die. And it's just kind of, and I'm not blaming them because I feel like a lot of times the reason people are like that is because um, when they, especially as Catholics, when we think of someone as being like a really good Catholic or really uber Catholic, um, and there's a lot of people in our life and a lot of times those people, they've got, they're really, they've got some really awesome things to them. But um, a lot of times we think that that is what it means to be Catholic. It's from these people examples. So we try to be exactly like them. Like I've got friends of mine who are older, mentors, youth ministers. But I think like a lot of times the struggle with being Catholic is that people aren't actually reading scripture. And the person who we should be seeking to be like, um, even though we're supposed to, you know, all these people in our life, we can learn a lot from them. But we should ultimately try to be like Jesus and like Jesus was the opposite of inward self-focused. Um, and he would, you know, he spent his time like with the most like outcast of society, like the people that we, I guess what we would have today. Like, um, I guess Josh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, for me, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, for me in my own life, I think I went through this exact same thing and I, and I wouldn't say that I'm done with it. I think that's, I think it's interesting to have that perspective of, you know, when I was younger, the faith was just something, especially in Fowler, it's just something that we did. Um, everybody went to church. 
you know, got involved in the youth group because those were the people that I hung out with in school anyways, my friends. And I was just, yeah, I was an intellectual person. I still am. So I knew a lot about the faith. I liked reading. Like one time I remember in, in eighth grade, I asked my youth minister to uh, borrow this encyclical or encyclopedia of Catholic doctrine. And it was, was like, like it was, the nerdiest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's like life. 600 pages of Gosh. like, what, why do we have a Pope? And it would go, you know, but for me, that was really important because, you know, I think what's beautiful about Catholicism is it's about you as the individual. It's not about here's this vision of what a Catholic should look like, be like that. I think what Catholicism is, is just like in a relationship, just like in a marriage, there's no like cut and dry way that people should interact in a marriage. And I think Catholicism is the same way. Like we all have certain ways that we should, um, you know, be with God. But I think when we're Catholic, and when we become more Catholic and more alive, we should become more ourselves. So I'm an intellectual person. In my engagement, and I'm sure in my marriage, intellectual things are one of the biggest things that bring Sarah and I together. But I understand the other person who would say, we're not going to sit around and debate the place of God in government because that's stupid. And I don't blame you. But for me, that's part of our relationship. And that's part of my relationship with the Lord. And he knew that. And so he put in me a hunger to learn about him in a nerdy way. And that brought me to a place where he was ready to then act more dynamically. Um, but then, you know, when I had my kind of conversion experience, it brought it alive. And what I noticed, and I think the key to knowing that you're doing it right, is simply you become more like yourself. What do you mean by like doing it right? Like what, is, what does that look like? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I think the the... You know, sometimes you're sitting there and you're wondering, am I doing it right? <laughs> and I think when you know you're doing it right is when you're becoming more yourself. So not when you're, you know, like what I don't want to see and what I have seen in people, um, especially as like a youth minister, things like that, as, as I've seen, okay, you go to Steubenville or you go to some big conference with a bunch of Catholic friends, you get involved in your youth group with, with these Catholic friends, and, and then kind of you develop your life in a certain way like them because that's where you had that faith experience. So mm-hmm. if at Steubenville you had that faith experience and it was because you were being charismatic and raising your hands up in prayer and all this stuff, then you maybe become that person even though you're not that person. And I'm not saying it's not bad to push yourself out of your comfort zone sometimes, but it's not a loss of who you were. It's some coming alive of who you were. What I've noticed is, you know, I was I was a nerd, you know. I love reading. I like... Um, I shouldn't even say I, I like reading necessarily, but I like learning about things, random stuff. And as I became Catholic, I noticed that rather than getting rid of those things in order to be closer to the Lord, the Lord said, no, these are the things that I've created in you. I'm going to bring them alive in a new way, and I'm going to use them for good. Because there are people in the world who I can reach out to who understand that part of me, that the other person who is the sports cool person couldn't. And vice versa. I like I like how you said that sports cool person. Yeah, I like, wasn't sure how to characterize this person. Them. I will never ever be right. Like <laughs> I can play sports, I could be okay, but it just wasn't. I mean, it wasn't something that extremely excited me. And it's not like I sat around in my room by myself and read books. But I do think a lot. I like thinking about the the things in the world, and the problems in the world, and so I find friends that are like that, and I'm able to evangelize to them. Yeah, I I think a problem kind of going back where you were talking about like the the Steubenvilles and the retreats. I know for me, like where I kind of like first really like encountered Jesus in a very, I mean, I had kind of had a few experiences of like feeling God and experiencing God before, but 
um, it was really, I went to this Catholic camp down in Columbus, but it was with like through other people. Um, and, but I think a lot of the problem is like, after I went to that camp, um, I was like, ah, oh, I just want more of this. I want more of this like spiritual experience that I had. And I was like seeking those out basically. So that was for me, like right before I went to high school, I was seeking those things out for like the next four years. And, um, there, I don't know, there's something always been inside of me. I, I think like God has like structured me, designed me f- like for this, but it's like, I've always seen my faith as like, not just about me. Um, but what I, what I think I've seen with a lot of friends and even with really honestly within myself is this like, you know, how can I have, how can I replicate the spiritual feeling or like, how can I be focused to have me better? And, um, actually there's a priest, so this, we were recording this here in Flint, Michigan. We'll talk about that some other time. Um, but there's a priest here who he like just talked about how um, when we when we take in things in the faith, like when we were growing, so like let's say we're praying or going to mass, um, adoration or um, reading scripture, like whatever it is, it's like we're kind of breathing in. So it's like you you breathe in. But um, so I want you guys, so people at home, just try to breathe in, breathe breathe in, just take a really deep breath. Okay, now hold it. Hold it. Hold it. And you're probably screaming at me in your head. You're like, why is this idiot making me do this? But you you just can't. Like, you can't keep it in. Like, you have to breathe out. And it's so natural. Um, and I think that's a lot of the problem, like, in the church, like, nowadays, is that um, we as a church, we're so focused on, you know, what's best for our own members, what's best for us. And we need to be building. We need to constantly be growing in disciples and learning the faith. But... Um, People don't breathe it out. And it's like, just if like, if you held on to breath, it just becomes stale and dead and you slowly begin to die. Like it's not natural. And I think that's why like the church and um, even like Jesus, like when he talks, like you see what Jesus is on life. Like he's, he's on a mission for others and for other people. And he's modeling that to disciples and he's doing it just because he loves them. Um, but I think that mission is like probably one of the things that's most needed within our church. I mean, there's so many, Things that could be better could be fixed, um, but I think that kind of starts within our own lives. And um, I don't know. That's that's something that Josh like I've always liked about you. Like I know, like throughout college, um, you and I think you, me, and I know a lot of other people are like this, but like have never been afraid to go out to people who are very different. Like uh, I know, like some of the guys that you live with, like on your floor. Um, yeah, that was really that was really powerful. My freshman year moving in, I moved into an honors floor and <laughs> nerd and, floor, right? And so that's what I expected actually, and it's not necessarily what I wanted. Like I was very careful. Like there were some people from Fowler that went to MSU, and I was careful not to hang out with them, and not because I don't like them. Careful to avoid them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's not because I didn't like them, but you know, I was excited to go experience college. You know, coming from Fowler, I wanted to to just emb- embrace you know, people of different cultures and religions and belief systems and, and really learn about like, what is the world, you know, get a sense for the world. Again, that curiosity I've always had, you know, I want to, I love like sitting down and having someone explain to me, why are you Muslim? You know, what is it like being a black person in the world today? What is it like, um, being a foreign exchange student? Like, I love talking to people about that stuff because it's really interesting. And so, you know, moving into my floor, I expected this really nerdy hunter's floor. But what I forgot is like, these are you know people that were really good in high school and now they don't have parents. So <laughs> I was really surprised by some of the choices that people made and not even in a judgmental way necessarily, just like a, 
wow, like this is college. Okay. Um, Josh, yeah, you had the coolest floor ever. Yeah, like, we, I would, <laughs> I would leave my, I think it's my junior, I would leave my apartment and people on his floor, they just like, they hung out. Yeah. They spent like, I would walk by, sometimes I would go there um, just to kind of go to caps and you would have just like eight or 10 people hanging out in this little room. And it's mm-hmm. just like, these people like get along. Like, yeah. Even they're think, very different from each other. But. Right. And I think that's the thing is I think all of us on that floor, the one thing we did share was uh, a curiosity and a curiosity that caused us to, you know, be successful in school and whatever, so that we were in the honors program. But, um, we had that curiosity. We wanted to, to be together. We wanted to learn about each other. I remember one Halloween, you know, everybody's out on Halloween, you know, praying and stuff on campus. So that's, that's what people do. <laughs> that's what everyone does. Halloween, yeah. and MSU, Pray for the totally MSU not a party souls, school right. at all. <laughs> so, me and my floor mates, we just sat in somebody's room. We had this big room that was like our gathering room that we everyone would just walk into at random times. And I think we were in there for probably eight hours, just sitting and talking. We got pizza, we played games, we hung out. But you know, these were people that weren't afraid to just tackle the issues. You know, like let's talk about homosexuality. Like, and and I was surprised by this because. You know, this is, these are touchy topics, but they were not afraid to, to discuss them. And everybody in the room had different beliefs and nobody was yelling at each other. Nobody was getting angry. It was a discussion. You know, tell me why you believe what you believe. Okay, that's interesting. Like, here's why I believe what I believe. And we might walk out with the same beliefs that we did before. But what we left is the biases that, that come with, you know, not understanding somebody else's beliefs. Um, so for me, that kind of brought out a side of me that I never really knew, which was somebody who wasn't afraid to reach out to random people and just have a conversation with them to bring that deep part of myself. People crave that people crave to be known. I mean, I I remember, you know, we do evangelization by the rock at MSU, which is like the central gathering place at MSU where people like paint this rock and it started out like half the size it is. And the rest (laughs) of it's just like gross layers of paint. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, people are doing evangelization and they're handing out flyers and stuff like that. And, and I'm not dissing any of that kind of stuff. You know, there's a place for it all. But I was like, you know, what? I just want to talk to people like I, I want to go. I want to go just talk to people. So I just went across the street and I just started stopping people. And I started asking some of those questions, you know, what do you believe? Like, who is God for you? And, you know, you're thinking you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh, my gosh, I could never. Right. Or like, oh, my gosh, people would be like, turn the head. And of course, I got a lot of people that were like, have a nice day. You know, see ya. But I actually, you know, I remember there were a couple kids every time that I do this, every time I go out and do these evangelization, I'd have a couple, you know, an hour or two hour conversation with somebody. And the rest of the time, it was just different answers, different things like that. But it was, you know, these people on campus you know, who maybe you might think, oh, they're just shallow. You know, they don't know God. They have the same questions you have in your heart. They have the same struggles you have. And they're looking for answers just like you are. And so it was really powerful for me to be able to um, to develop that part of myself um, and, and to be able to reach out. Like I remember we did a trip to Camden, New Jersey, which is like a very, very like poor city, very minority city, very dangerous city, like lots of gun violence, things like that. So Flint. Uh, worse. <laughs> this actually, sure. at the time we went there, was sure. the number one uh, most violent city in the in the country, and um, so they're handing out sandwiches and stuff like that from a window. People in my group, and basically we just had too many people. So one of the um, religious brothers that was in charge, he's like, "Hey, you know, one person can just go out and hang out with the people outside, the homeless people outside." And I was like, yes, like that sounds like me. Like I like making sandwiches, but this is awesome. Like I get to go hang out with these people. I get to understand them because guess what? Coming into Camden, what I knew is it's dangerous, drugs, things like that. Well, I want to meet these people. I want to see why do they make, why do people make the choices they make, you know? 
And so I did. And I had a half an hour, 45 minute conversation with somebody who was a drug dealer. And I got to talk to them about that. Like, how interesting is that to be able to ask that question and to have a conversation? And you know what? What, what kind of questions do you ask the drug dealer? Just, just curious. <laughs> you know what? I'm not afraid to ask questions. And so basically I was like, what's it like being a drug dealer? <laughs> and I, I did learn. I learned how different things are distributed and what they cost. And, you know, but, but more so, more so I was interested in the person that was under, that was under that stigma of a drug dealer. And yeah, I'm not saying that I condone his choices, but he's a real person and he had real struggles and he talked to me about, you know, how he got to where he was because he didn't just wake up one day. I was like, I want to be a drug dealer. You know, there's a lot of things that led to him getting there. And I think that's an extreme example. But what that taught me is how to ask questions and get to the root of who people are. Because when you look at somebody, you know, when I talk to people, there's a depth and there's a part of them that maybe they haven't shared. And it's kind of the root of what they are right now, who they are today, who they're going to be tomorrow. And I love getting down to that depth with people. And I think people crave that. I yeah. I think like kind of going back to what you were talking about with, you know, the kind of street evangelization what we're doing. And I remember for that we were going and handing out flyers for Lent and I mean, trying to talk to some people, but, um, I feel like for me, the more and more I've learned about what evangelization really is, I used to think it was like that, that street stuff. And I'm not saying that can't be, there can't be good stuff that happened from that. I have a, um, well, we both have a friend, Patrick Brennan, who he's like, he's kind of, he has a gift for that, and, but he's really, you know, talking to people, engaging in their lives. But there's something about us, I think that knows in the 21st century, like when we see like a crazy street preacher, like, and there, there's some that aren't as crazy, but there's one at MSU who's just, yeah. this dude is insane. Like just tells everyone he's going to hell. I'm like, I just don't think that's going to be very effective. Yeah. Even if it was true, it's not effective. And I don't think it's true either. Yeah. But, um, we, we kind of know it's just like, that doesn't really work. Like it doesn't work for us. Like if I was like for me, like even being like someone who's a um, like pretty committed, like Catholic Christian, like I have a lot of ways that I can grow. Um, but I just know that it, like, you know, it really doesn't like impact people, but the reality of what evangelization actually is and something that you can just do um, you right. You like you can do today um, is just to enter someone's life um, enter someone's life in a way that they are not expecting, um, in a way that, um, and it really just starts out as a normal friendship. It's just becoming friends, like with people like we, um, for me, so I work as, as a campus minister, I'm at U of M Flint and a couple other schools around Flint. And for me, it's like, most of what I do is I just, I just go buy people lunch, talk to them. You know, a lot of Catholics, but a lot of agnostics, atheists, um, like different kinds of Christians and, even like Muslim students, I, I I was meeting consistently last year with a um, bisexual Wiccan student and she was, we got along really well and she was really cool. But that's how you kind of have to like earn the right to be heard. Um, you have to really enter into someone's life and that's when they'll actually listen to you about faith stuff as opposed to trying to force things. And I feel like I when I've learned more and more evangelization, it's kind of, there's some, a lot of these things I inwardly knew because they made me feel like just kind of felt wrong. You know, there's always going to be those awkward, those awkward things when it comes to um, evangelization when the Holy Spirit is putting something in our heart and we don't want to do it. But that's that moment where God is like, you know, I'm setting, I've been setting up for this moment. Now do it. Um, but evangelization is it's just really getting to know people. And I think I, I've really seen you do that with a lot of people like over the years, just kind of entering into people's lives. You know, there's some fruit that was maybe born that you can kind of see in the moment, some that you're not ever going to see. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I to thank for that would be, 
in my high school youth ministry, you know, we talked about that a lot is the idea of, you know, what was, what has kind of been Catholicly branded as intentional discipleship, you know, um, it's intentional friendships, you know, uh, friendships with a purpose and going somewhere. And it's not as if you're making this person like a pyramid scheme, you know, where like you sign up and then you're going to sign people up. Um, but you know, I remember hearing a story, um, that kind of inspired it for me was, you know, <clears throat> there was this guy who went to college and he, um, he was asked to be part of a Bible study by a flyer, you know, check yes or no, basically, just like you got asked out in middle school and uh, not to make fun of flyers, but you know, obviously this guy who didn't really care about the faith, like he's in college. He's like, I'm free. Like, I don't have to go to church. Like mom and dad made me, you know, he checked. No, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Um, but then, you know, a couple months later, he gets a knock at his door and it's these same people that were giving out the flyers. But, th- and he's like, Hey, 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 like you saw that, you know, I checked. No, you know, it's over. We're done. Um, and they said, no, 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 it's isn't, it's not about that. We just want to, I just want to go golfing. And he liked golfing. So he went golfing with them and he built this friendship. And one of the guys particularly became like his best friend. And a year later, these same guys basically said, do you want to come to a, a Bible study? Same question they asked in the flyer, but now it's coming from a best friend who took the time to understand you as a person. It's not like, hey, you general people should come into this Bible study. It's, hey, this guy that I know intimately, that I know very well, that I know your story, I know about your life, I know your likes and your dislikes. I think that you personally would benefit from going to Bible study. I think you would personally benefit from coming to the Lord. And that's what it took for me to grow. And that's everything that I've seen that people, where people really grow. It's that personal, personal investment. Um, and you know what? I grew as much every time that I invested in someone as they would. Mm-hmm. I learned about myself as much as they would learn about themselves. Yeah, and there's this like there's this two-way dynamic, and that's what I really love um, about really like entering people's lives who are very different from you. Is that like when you're when you're when you have those times where like the Holy Spirit is putting on you to. Um, say something to that person or even just the beginning is forming a relationship. You know, there's, there's an intentionality um, of it and knowing that, okay, I'm going to choose to spend time that I could be for me sleeping, um, video games, just whatever it is I do, just a bunch of weird stuff, read manga, watch, watch WWE, you know, really the greatest things in life. Like I'm choosing not to do certain things um, and to spend time with this person instead, but it's, it becomes, like if you're doing it the right way, it's there's this intentionality, so you, you're you're making time for them, and intentionally doing that. But it's it's natural, where you're just being someone's friend, and like you like you know it just as a friend like wanting the best for someone. It's like you know I really wish like this person like would encounter Jesus and Jesus could like just make their life so much like better and richer, like the Lord did like with me, and you know bring some healing um, into their life. But that comes from like really loving people and being a real friend to people. Um, not saying I'm going to force this on you and I'm not going to be your friend if you're like this, which some people do do that, which is that's stupid if you did that. I mean, I used to, I've done that before. And back then, I mean, I maybe stupid's not the right, more ignorant. It's like they don't, um, like they just, a lot of people, especially within the church, um, they, they really mean well. And they try hard, and I really want to thank people who are doing that. You're trying to do your best, um, but there's a better way, um, and that's kind of what this podcast and 
lot of things out there um, are trying to show people is that there's a better way that's actually really effective. Um, yeah, and I think people are, you know, I studied media and information, and part of that study was advertising. And one of the challenges of advertising in today's world is people can smell when they're being sold something right away because that's all, like, think about your life. Think about how many times you see an ad. You know, you're on Facebook and there's ads, ads, ads. You're on YouTube and it's all about the ads and these little pop-up ads. I mean, every second you're being sold something. So we can smell somebody selling us something from a mile away. And so that's one of the, like you said, I think the most important parts is it's a genuine friendship. Um, You're just being a really good friend. You know, and, and I think intentionality is important, right? Ever. Like not perfect, but a right. good friend. Like you're you're not being passive about it. It's not like we're just gonna be friends and we're gonna do friend things. Like we're gonna be friends, but we both have a common goal, and that goal is to get to heaven. And we're gonna make sure that our friendship is leading us there in some capacity. And you know what? Some of these friendships you come in and out of. You know, it's not like every single person is gonna be your best friend for the rest of your life and you're gonna be solely responsible for their spiritual salvation. Not the case. You know, we enter in and out of people's lives, but to take that true personal investment in people um, to truly love getting to know people because it is fascinating. It's amazing to get to know somebody to a depth where, you know, you understand some of the deepest wounds in their heart that cause them to be the way they are, the struggles they have. You know, these things Mm -hmm. come from a depth that most people never get to experience. And you know what? When people get to be known like that, they love it. Yeah. that's, That's like, if you look within Jesus, like in what, he did just throughout the gospels. It's like, you really see him like eating with people encounter. Like I, th- there's no better word. Like Pope Francis uses this a lot, but like encountering people, like just fully being with them in that moment. And like, he gets like, it's funny to watch, like, I mean, to be reading the gospels and see like all these people talk trash about him for like being with sinners and being with people. But to him, they were just, they were just people. Um, and he could see their hurt and their pain, but like, I think, you know, he wanted to bring life to him. Like, there's that motive to that. But he just wanted to, like, encounter them and to be with them and to really um, experience them and experience their life. Um, These people that were hungry for love, um, hungry to be known. Um, And I think that's that's really what we're called to do is just first to love people, um, to know people. And then over time, that's when, you know, like when people see that like in us, like our love for them, which should come like if we're modeling after Jesus, this is like, you know, bringing back to Jesus, we're modeling back to him. We should be more and more like them, like him, like him, like Jesus. And that, that should be, it is attractive to people. And then we, we earn the right because I heard someone recently um, talk about, and this is just a little bit of a corny quote. I think it's actually from um, Mother Teresa, um, St. Teresa now. And, she said, like, live your life in a way that the only explanation is God, um, that God exists, um, that Jesus exists. And, man, if I wasn't a Christian, like, or if I wasn't a Catholic, I would just be the worst person in the world. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, like, so, so, like, imperfect, mess up things, like, all the time. I have some deep, you know, sins and other things I struggle with. But um, at the same time, it's, like, the Lord has made such a difference in my life and it should make a difference in your life and how you interact with other people. And they should be able to tell that. And it it just happens over time. Like people just become curious about it. Um, And those conversations, they just kind of happen. They don't need to be forced necessarily. 
Yeah, you know, one of my favorite things when I read the Gospels is to look at the questions that Jesus, you know, because everybody always says Jesus asks, basically responds to every question with a question. And it's kind of easy to be like <laughs> a little bit frustrated, like, oh my gosh, does he ever actually answer one of their questions? But I, what I always do is I look at the questions and I think, what does Jesus know about that person that, you know, we don't know? Because the questions that he asks always get right to the heart of the issue and the wound that, that this is coming from. You know, when, you know, when the guy says, you know, I've never uh, broken any of the commandments, what should I do? You know, I mean, I'd be tempted to be like, you're better than me. You know, I don't know. You'd know better than I would. But Jesus knows this person. You know, that's he knows Josh, That's why you're not God. That's why I'm not God, right. <laughs> Even though my name is the same as Jesus. I, that's the only similarity we share probably. Um, but I think, you know, he asks this question and he says, you know, ask him about his possessions. Because he knows that's the root of what this man struggles with is love for the world. He's not able to detach himself from the world. And guess what? He asks that one question and the man walks away because he, 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 Jesus knew him in a way that no one else did. And yes, we're not all going to know everybody like Jesus does. You know, he knew people without even getting to know them because he knew them. We have to get to know people, but I like knowing people like that, knowing people so that, you know, when they're struggling with something, you can say one thing and they're like, like you cut right through the crap and you hit them right where it hurts, you know. And, and I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy. Like, I want to tell you how it is. You know, I want to... And, and it was it's something I had to learn, you know, because we're taught to be very sterile, you know. We're taught to just be nice to each other. And, you know, that's Christianity, you know. I, I guess I call it... I've heard it called Barney Jesus, you know. Jesus loves you. You love Jesus. We're a happy family. It's great. That wasn't Jesus. You know, he had a freaking whip and he threw tables. Like, he got mad when people turned away from his father when people were turning other people away from his father he you know he was he was dynamic he was alive passionate. and excited yeah passion Jesus passion yeah and, and so I try to bring that into all of my friendships is you know listen we're only here for maybe 70 80 years you know maybe there's no time for oh you're a great person oh no you're a great person oh you know Let's be willing to challenge each other and not in a mean way, not to say you're a horrible person, you're a sinner, you're doing this. But my favorite moments in any of my friendships, in my engagement, I'm sure in my marriage will be those moments when you're able to just call somebody out and just say, listen, you know better than that. You know better than that. You know exactly what's causing this problem. Fix it. That's real love. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's real love. And I feel like with me, I struggle with really... I struggle with loving people, man. Like just what it comes down to is just so much of like my time is for me. My time is about me. I want to spend it, you know, relaxing. You know, I've worked really hard. I need to rest or this. And when it comes down to really loving people, um, and a lot of times, um, not I don't want to say all those times. It's not always calling someone out, but it's really like loving them enough to say, "You really got this problem," like or this like I love you enough because I want you to have a better life, not just to be, you know, there's this thing people talk about being a better person. Like, what does that mean? Or like be the best version. I mean, like I kind of get that, be the best version of yourself. But we talk about all the time in the culture of like, Oh, so to be the best you can be. And, but I want someone to have a better life. Like I've had, you know, I've had a lot of things that I struggle with that a lot of things I've been able to work through and my life is way better because that is crap is work through um, even now there's stuff I'm working through now where 
you know, there's a better, like there's a better life waiting me for that. And you really have to go through a lot of that darkness um, to make that happen. That's what Jesus did. Like Jesus really, he countered people in their mess. Um, And that's what we're supposed to do with like people in our life, you know, people that you're working with, you go to school with, that you're friends with, your family. It's just to like be with them in their mess. And like, they're going to be loved by that and they're going to be changed. Um, and that's not because, you know, we're, we're selling you guys this theory that, oh, you know, hopefully this works out because um, it's hard. But like if we're fruitful in that way, like you can see with Jesus, like it is fruitful. Like if we if we're consistent as much as we you know, we're going to you're going to make a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes all the time with these like relationships or times when I'm human and selfish and just want to do what I want to want, uh, do what I want to do. But like if it works for Jesus, like it's going to work for us as well. Um, Cause that's, that's what he did with his disciples. It was like, he wanted them to do what he did and that's what they did. And that's why, you know, we're at this table is because Jesus like taught these disciples to live this way of life, to try, you know, to strive to live like him. And people have done that for uh, going on 2000 years now. And that's why we're here. And, and Jesus, he, I like the way he taught. You know, I always take notes when I'm reading this, the Gospels, and that was something my spiritual director always encouraged, is like, read the Gospels and watch Jesus. Watch what he does, how he does things, the way he organizes things, the way he talks to people. Because he talks to, you know, sometimes he's really hard on people, the Pharisees. He's like, you know, you're wrong, basically. Other times he's so loving that he doesn't even say anything. He just sits with them and eats with them. And a lot of times he's in the middle. And so I always take notes on the way Jesus does things. And one of the things I've always noticed is, you know, life is such a journey for us. And I think if you see life as a journey and you see everybody at different places in the journey, we all have advice to give each other. We've all been through things that each other are going to go through. And so it's not like I'm mentoring you and you then you just need to like get up to my level. <laughs> like we're on this journey together. We're going to pick each other up when we get taken down. We're going to give each other advice when we see something that we've been through before. And that's kind of how Jesus teaches his disciples. He doesn't teach them by, all right, everyone, let's sit down, gather around. Okay, here's how to be a disciple. And then he just tells them how to be a disciple. That's not how he does it. They go and live life. And in the moment when something happens, he's there to take a moment to explain what happened. He's there to ask a question. He's there to, you know, he shows them how to heal. And then, well, that brings up this other area. You know, he, he's doing it in the moment. And the only way to be in the moment with somebody like that is to live life with them, to go on that journey with them. I remember well, I did this um, unbound prayer ministry. And basically the idea is, you know, praying for the deepest wounds in your heart. You know, I mean, there's a lot to it. I've never been able to get to it. But, uh, you know, going to those deep wounds where the evil one is at work in your life and plucking him out and it was interesting hearing one of the people who facilitated it and they said you know we have people that walk in who are 75 for this prayer service and they share for an hour and a half the deepest wounds in their heart and it just crushes me because these people have lived with this for 75 years and the lord offers relief right now you know not like relief isn't everything's gonna be perfect but he offers us people places, things, words, you know, prayers to take care of the struggles in our life, to get down to the roots. And the only way you're going to do that is by living an intentional life. You know, we're so, it's so easy to be passive. You know, I, I just do things because that's what I got to do. I, I go to class and I come home and I play video games because everyone else plays video games and you don't really think about what you do. 
But Jesus, you know, if you think Jesus just wandered through the desert with these people for three years, no. This guy had a plan, and he might not have outlined it. You know, he didn't get like a, in John chapter 1, you know, Jesus' map and plan. Um, but he had a plan, and he took these 12 disciples on a journey. You know, the plan wasn't for the world. You know, the plan was to teach these 12 disciples how to go to the world. You know, had he been, had Jesus been here to take care of the world, he wouldn't have spent the first 30 years not doing anything in the world, you know. The reason he was here was to take care of his disciples and teach them because he wants us to do his work while we're here. And the only way we can do that is to journey with him day to day. It can't be the, let's sit down and let me give you my advice about how to be a good Catholic and then I'm never going to talk to you again. It's the, you know, 1 a.m. phone call because you've had a horrible week and you're feeling depressed and, you know, you, you can't pray and you can't hear God. What do I do? You know, and then you're there to encourage them and you're there to say, listen, we've all been there. You know, you're, you're, you're caught up in the moment. That's what, that's what this discipleship is. Yeah. And when we start doing that for like, we need to have, you know, one of these, we just need to sit down and like community. I mean, it's so essential as far as, you know, relationships between, you know, Christians with each other, Catholics with each other, um, just people in your life that share the faith. It's just so essential and important. Um, but, like, we start with that by doing that with each other. And, you, like, you kind of need that as, like, a foundation of, like, I just need this. I need to be taken care of. I need to be loved. Um, I need to be challenged by other people. And that makes it so we can do that with people that, you know, don't don't share, like, don't share the faith who, um, some of which are searching or some of which are just people we meet in our daily life, like in our workplace, in our school, friendships, um, relationships, family, whatever it is. And that makes it so we can love those people. Uh, but we need to experience that first and have something with that, whether it's just one friendship. Like, I know for me, when I was in college, like, I, I like, longed for that. Um, for me, I did, like, a missionary year before I um, threw this thing called Net Ministries. And basically, I drove around in a van with 10 other people. Um, and it smelled great, let me tell you that. Nine months of driving around in a van, a lot of people, but, like, you were living with these people, working with them, like doing ministry, spending almost like every waking moment with them, almost. And it was just this like really intense experience of like community and like support um, and challenge. And then when I came to MSU, like I kind of struggled with that because there weren't many other guys, at least within like the church I, church I was at at the time. Um, it, it really grew over time. By, by, by the time my senior and junior year, I felt like I had a really good community. But like the best relationship I had beneficial for my life so like friendship was meeting josh and even if you know if i didn't have any other communion i had just had him and you know we had a really like you know kind of special really committed um even though i felt like in a lot of ways if you're talking about relationships i was like the the boyfriend that wouldn't wouldn't respond to calls and texts (laughs) i'm still kind of like that um you went there yeah i went there (laughs) that's that's what this this well actually last night last night just a little bit um me and me and Josh saw La La Land together. Go see it. It is just a phenomenal. It's a triumph of a movie. But we're just like, man, this just goes back to the old days. Send some <laughs> picture to Sarah. Let her know what's going yeah. on. <laughs> but um, like, if I just had like that one strong relationship, it just like it anchored me. It anchored me so I could do that. Um, like really grow and work through a lot of my own hurts and be accountable for things I struggled with. Uh, but if I had that, like I could do. I could do anything, not not really anything, but it's like that was the foundation. I knew I could come back to that and that real gritty relationship 
where you know one time where me and Josh sat down and we we like sat down and over like three hours we told each other like every worst thing at the worst things we've ever done pretty much and it's not like you and me are like you know we've always been perfect people like we pretty dark past um a lot more than i think people would guess and things were like those were some some things on there i was like i'm going to my deathbed with this like this is such a like a terrible thing and it would just like ruin how people would look at me and stuff like like and saying it to josh was really just like a moment of freedom um for that but that kind of like freedom of being known not only by the lord but by someone else um and another person another person who's supporting you and I think in a lot of ways, outside a romantic relationship, it's really, it's super beneficial to have that um, as well, frees us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm glad you bring that up because like, you know, I have a, a unique experience of, you know, kind of being engaged, preparing for marriage and understanding the point of, you know, kind of the epitome of this in a relationship, you know, in a marriage that, that my fiance Sarah is going to be, you know, my faith partner forever because we are going to spend every waking minute together truly forever and ever, you know, no matter who else comes in and out. Like, and so there's something really powerful about that. However, I think there's a, it's not in replacement of the friendships that I have with particularly men. Um, they complement that perfectly because there's, there are just, there are certain things that only another man can understand. And there are certain things that only Sarah can understand. And they complement each other very well. That's because Sarah's weird. No, so. <laughs> I mean maybe, but just a little snarky. She's engaged to me. So. She's pretty fantastic. <laughs> not gonna lie. Shout out to Sarah. But, yeah, I, I just think that you know, you know this idea of being intentional is just—it's something that I've talked about forever. That I've been told, and I learned it from other people. I'm not—I didn't learn it myself. But just the idea of like living life in an intentional way. You know, just don't be passive about life. And I think the best way to do that is to start by having, like you said, a basis of an intentional friendship, you know, um, learning to, to be intentional with the way that you deal with somebody helps you be intentional with the way you deal with everybody. Yeah. I think as well, sorry to cut you off. Um, but like an intentional relationship with the Lord, it's like, it's like those two things together, like with another person, which God is, it's not like God's not aware of that. He's put that in our life, but like with, with God as well as being like, I, Lord, I'm going to spend, you know, 10, 15 minutes of prayer in conversation with you, like kind of within, within scripture, but really going through the gospels. It's like, that's that you need both really. It's like I receive from the Lord and then I receive and kind of give with this person as well. And that allows us to do it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe I will someday, but if I would ever write a book about Catholicism and you know, the little, the little crappy advice I could give, you know, <laughs> if I would ever throw it down into a book, I think my book would be all about living an intentional life in every aspect. And I think friendship's certainly no exception. You know, I mean, it starts with being intentional with the Lord, but it's complemented by all the other ways that we're intentional because like I, I'm reading this book by Brother Lawrence and it's called um, Practicing the Presence of God. And basically he's talking about how in every single moment, he is as present to the Lord as if you were kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament. And I don't have that. I don't anticipate having that for a while. But it's incredible because I think he's reached the kind of epitome that we're all going for, is that at every single moment, every single second, we're doing something for the Lord, whether it's being there with him, reaching out to somebody. Like I remember hearing a priest talk, and he said, and this has always inspired me to be, fully present in every moment, whether I'm with people or whatever. He's eating in a cafeteria. This is a real story. And there's a girl who's sitting um, 
couple of tables over and whatever. He's just eating. But he's present with the Lord. He's got this like Brother Lawrence presence. Mm-hmm. Like God is with him at all moments. He knows how to listen to the Lord. And God tells him, you know, he takes a scoop of carrots, goes to take a bite of it. And God says, put the carrots down, pick up the peas and eat those. And let me tell you, I can hardly hear the Lord say like, quit this job and you know move to Africa. I wouldn't even hear that. But this guy is hearing the Lord tell him how to eat his food in which order. But he's listening. Okay. Like, he doesn't even question it, which is incredible. It's like when Jesus asked the disciples to go with him, and they're like, okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, if Jesus walked into my workplace tomorrow and was like, let's go, I'd be like, oh, I've got a, you know, 401k, you know, I've got to get my hold on. Let me get this paperwork filled out. Um, so he puts the carrots down, eats the peas. This girl, who's like three tables over, just starts sobbing. And he's like, what, <laughs> what happened? Like, why are you sobbing? And she walks over to him and she says, listen. I've been having a crisis of faith and I just prayed, Lord, if you're real, make him eat his peace first. Like how many of those moments have I missed in my life? How many of those moments have I missed because I'm just eating? I mean, who the hell, I'm not going to bring the Lord into eating. I'm just eating, you know, hold on, Lord. I'm going to go eat lunch, you know, but this guy is in constant dialogue with the Lord. And the way that I think you learn to be in constant dialogue with the Lord is to be in constant dialogue with other people uh, in an intentional way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're surrounded by people who keep you in check, you know, the people that you look at them, you just you even think of their name, you know, you see their name in your phone and that alone causes you to get back on track. Yeah. You see you know? my, see my name in your phone. It's like Tay Bay. Or... Yeah. T baby. T baby. <laughs> like seriously though, like oh, I have a lot yes. of friends like that and, and, you know, I'll have a couple days where, you know, I've missed a prayer and I've been kind of lazy and I've been grumpy and been complaining. And I literally see one of these names as I'm, you know, checking my text or something. And it immediately, I have a reversion in that moment just from seeing these people's names. I mean, that's that, that's how I learned a journey with the Lord is in every little moment, have these people in your life who remind you we're on this journey to heaven, you know, who pick you up, who call you out, who support you. I don't know what I'd do without it. Yeah, and just to, um, we'll close up here in just a moment. I think a practical way is just, just a, if you don't have that, which I think most most people don't, um, or most people maybe they have someone kind of with the potential of that in their life, um, especially within um, like a you know a, someone with another Catholic or another Christian. Um, if you don't have it, pray for it. Like for me, like when I came into college, I like just knew like how much those other guys that I had were on my, um, so I was with men and women on my year, but I knew how much these like other people had really like just impacted my life and really changed me during my year off when I was traveling around. And I knew I needed that. Like I knew I needed something like that. And I started praying for it, like for my freshman year. Um, and I kind of, I've experienced parts of that. I had some guys kind of older guys at this um, organization called UCO take me under, kind of take me under their wing, but it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, it was, it was something, it was something good, but it wasn't really what I was, um, kind of looking for. And then, you know, two years later, like I, me and Josh, like we, this over this at the, um, uh, at the union over this like late night dinner, we just kind of started talking and it was like almost within like a week, we kind of like had that, started to have that friendship. And I think within like a couple of weeks we were intentional about, it. we're like, Hey, we should, meet more often and we follow we for the most part we follow through on it and just know that god wants you to give you that 
like he wants you to have something like that. Like it's not going to look exactly like, you know, the pretty much almost marriage at a time. It seemed like we were in the relationship, but like it's not going to look exactly like that. But like God wants to give that to you. And there's someone else out there and there's some other people that need that and want it. So just pray for that. And the Lord, like he's going to be faithful. It may take some time, but you know, those two years that I didn't have it, you know, they're they're kind of rough. But when I had it, it was just, it was so worth it. It's just so worth it to have relationships. It's just worth the wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to seek and try to create that with people that you have right then. Like when I was a sophomore, I, I started a men's, men's small group of guys who were like talking and sharing with each other. And it was kind of like, oh, so I can help out other people. But like anytime I've started a community, like I've started a couple, um, like I started a men's household. And I, I lead one now here in Flint. I, I do it for me. I'm not going to lie. It's totally selfish. It's because I know that I need that. I need that community. And it's so good for me. Um, and I'm going to be going to the Augusta Institute in Denver. I'm spoiler alert for people. I haven't really announced that yet. Um, but I'm going to start like a guy's household there. It's like selfish because it's for me. Um, but the Lord wants to give you that. And so pray for it and he'll make it happen. There's other people out there um, just as weird as you, just as messed up as you, just as broken as you. Um and just as just as nerdy as you, just because we know who's listening, we know the we know our demographic right here. Yeah, and uh, I think my practical advice would be pretty simple: just you know, pray for it and just do it. You know, like that stupid YouTube video of the guy. You know, just do it. But I mean, I think it's true. You know, that, if, that was cool like a year ago. <laughs> right, right. Like I'm hip, as I say, so I'm like a year uh, behind. You know, uh, uh. <laughs> um, but but truly, I think one of the best ways that I found to foster these kind of friendships is open up yourself first, you know, how many times every single time people walk, walk in and they say, how are you? What do you say? What do you say? How are you? Good. Lame. Are you good? I guess. Like maybe you're, maybe you truly are good. Give it an explanation. I'm, I'm good. exactly good. Right. <laughs> no better or worse. And you know what? I'll, actually, a lot of my days I would say I'm good. Like it's not the best day of my life. It's not the worst day of my life, but I mean, you will freak people out in the best way when you answer that question real, because sometimes they don't really care. Um, they didn't really yeah, want they, to they ask that question. Then you're like, I've had times where I'm like, I'm actually not doing really well. Like yeah. I don't do this to other, like, this has been going on in my life. And they're like, dear oh, God, yeah. what did I get myself <laughs> yeah, into? I didn't want, but I think there's, there's a, uh, there's a reality there that, you know, people are s- sometimes afraid to share the deepest um, struggles that they're going through right now. They feel like they're alone. You know, you hear that from a lot of people who struggle with depression. They feel like they're alone. And I think it can be really intimidating when you're struggling to walk up to, you're not just going to walk up to someone and be like, I'm having a bad day, help me. But if you ask me how my day is going and I give you an honest answer, you know, actually I had a little bit of a rough day, you know, um, and this obviously you can't just say this to the person on the street, but somebody that you somewhat know, be the first one to open up, you know, be the first one to be honest about yourself because then that person, you've already opened the door. You've already put yourself out there. You know, this person then can share about the depths of their heart um, without feeling intimidated. And at that point is when I think you start some of these really awesome friendships. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, the best way to have a deep relationship with someone is to open up first and to be vulnerable and to say some stuff that makes you, like like for me, like I talk about kind of some homelessness and you know, really deep struggles I've had, like depression, anxiety, um, among other things. And it's like that's when you're real with someone, they're going to be like, they almost feel like obligated. It, it may, well, it makes them feel safe because they're like, 
dang. This they're like, person. they're like, dang. This person was like, this person was real, and they feel like, well, I guess I'm gonna be real in return. Um, but it's it just kind of happens, and it kind of it opens the door for people to um, walk through and just bring their own mm-hmm. brokenness. Yeah, we don't want to be the saints that are you know that you come to the church and we're like floating on you know like I try to keep my levitation into my own bedroom because I think it intimidates people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but Too I think there's a awesome. <laughs> there's a reality there that. Um, we are, you know, you can get so holy sometimes, you know, you can, not so holy, but you can get so into the Lord that you forget that, you know, the person walking in the door for the first time is really intimidated already. Like the, they may already think that everybody there is perfect. And I struggled with that a lot of my life. People thought that I was perfect, thought I was this goody two shoes kid, which was not the case, but oh yeah, they never got to know me, you know? And so when I start to share, you know, actually, despite the fact that I have a smile on my face always, this was actually kind of a rough week. You know, I haven't been praying at all. And that's kind of led to me being really lazy and, you know, binge watching X-Files for eight seasons this week. You know, like it hasn't really been that good of a week. And they're like, oh, he's not perfect. Well, neither am I. Because you're watching X-Files. <laughs> Even though X-Files is pretty good, I guess. But yeah, I think I think we should close up. We yeah, should close up here. Yeah. So this is this is when, you know, post-production um, at the music. But yeah, I just want to thank you guys um, all um, f- just for listening to us. Um, we're gonna um, we're here with you for this. Um, if you have anything that we want to talk about, uh, let us know. We'll have a way for you to comment. Um, just as well, if you have any ideas, um, we're go- we're gonna be posting some more podcasts. Some of them are just gonna be me. Um, I love Josh as much as possible. Um, but get excited! This is the beginning of something. Um, also, be patient with us. We're learning how to do this. It took us like 15 minutes to set up all this recording. Actually, more longer than that. We're like, how do we? How do we do the thing with the computer and the two things at once? Um, but yeah, we're really thankful to have you guys, and just know that we're praying for you. And go do it. I swear.